Welcome to the Steady Hand Podcast. I'm Scott Rawls, joined as usual with Tom Bradley. And in this session, we're going to review the third quarter of 2008. Reporting to you, uh, we're reporting to you a little earlier this quarter because we're going to be on the road in Toronto next week. And we've just been through a very unique uh, and, and troubling quarter. So we wanted to provide our investors and those who are following us with an update on uh, what our managers are doing. So on that note, Tom, I'll pass it over to you. Scott, as you said, it's been an extraordinary period, and I've been in the business 25 years, and I don't think I've seen anything quite like this, and I've been through a few of the doozies. And if I had to capture sort of what's been going on in a few sentences, I'd say that what we have here is a number of business cycles coming to an end at once. And we could argue maybe they're all just one business, big business cycle, and they're certainly related, but uh, the housing cycle is uh, is long since over, but uh, the impact of it is is playing out. Uh, we have a consumer spending, or should I say a consumer debt cycle that uh, has gone to an extreme and is now retrenching. And maybe the one that makes both of those look like nothing is uh, is the debt cycle we've seen in the capital markets, particularly in Wall Street, as that comes unwound. So uh, one thing I've learned about cycles is is not only are they unpredictable as to when they start and when they end, we only know that later, but also if they've been long and they've been extreme, then they tend to to, they don't unwind in just a few days or a few months. They take a time and then often go to extreme levels on the other end. So because Mr. Bush and Mr. Greenspan didn't allow this cycle to self-correct as we went along, they didn't want to see any bad news, we're, we're paying the price now. Now, as you, you listen to Scott and I here on this podcast, um, keep in mind that investing isn't just about getting the call right on what the future looks like. That's obviously important. But being an investor, there is a second component that is really important, and that is determining what the market, in the form of stocks and bonds, are paying for that future. And uh, if you get the future right, but you you misrepresent the valuation, um, you don't necessarily make any money. And so when you hear us talking about buying stocks in the funds or, or rebalancing our clients' portfolios towards equities, there's two components to it is not only what the future looks like, but also uh, what we're paying for that future. Now, I think what I'll do is I'll start off with the income fund. And uh, Scott, I think uh, we'll let you do the equity funds here. But certainly, despite all of the, uh, the, the turmoil in the equity markets, the bond market uh, held up pretty well, although it was down a little bit, about half a percent. And for our income fund, which has a big component of bonds in it, it was unfortunately pretty much a perfect storm. Um, The Wall Street crisis had a huge impact on corporate bond market. There were days when the market was virtually closed for business and uh, any kind of rumor or whatever sent uh, bond yields on corporate bonds going up, which is bad for the prices on those bonds. Also, we have a, a large bet on financials. Mostly good, strong Canadian banks, but we do have some exposure to uh, some of the Wall Street firms and a couple of the global banks that uh, have been very hard hit. I think names like Merrill and its new owner, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Royal Bank of Scotland. So those obviously have all been under pressure throughout the quarter. And finally, I guess the other part of that perfect storm is just the fact that we do have some income equities in this uh, portfolio, REITs and income trusts, and the trusts particularly came down in sympathy with the overall markets, and uh, and that impacted the fund. So <clears throat> needless to say, it was a tough quarter. Uh, we don't expect to see a quarter for this fund, uh, maybe not even every 20, 10, 20 years where it's down almost 4%, but uh, this was, was, was that quarter. 
Suffice to say that we still have a very diversified fund uh, made up of income equities, or income securities, I should say, and so we feel very comfortable with the distribution levels going forward, and we do think the fund will come back pretty quickly as far as its unit value. Uh, we need some stability, obviously. We need Congress to pass its bill and a few other things to happen, but we do think when that happens, this fund will uh, will rally nicely. We would only say to our clients that if you do need to draw on the fund, uh, certainly the price decline is an issue. We recognize that. But for long-term investors that hang in, you're going to be paid well while we wait for that stability. The fund yields almost 7% on a pre-fee basis. You know, it has a, a very high-quality portfolio, example being some of the Canadian banks uh, having a yield of more than 2% above Government of Canada bonds. So we know it's, a, it's got a higher risk profile than just owning a Canadian bond, but we think that reward-risk measure that uh, we look at so carefully is very much tilted in our favor, so we encourage people to hang in there. Thanks for that, Tom. I'm going to dive into the equity funds now. Before I talk about the steady hand equity fund, just a few comments on the North American equity markets. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it was a tough quarter, an ugly one. The TSX was down over 18%. S&P 500 was down over 8% in U.S. terms. That market was a little better in Canadian dollar terms, only down 4.5% as the loonie depreciated with the uh, pullback in oil. But definitely not a pretty quarter. The equity fund took its lumps. It was down 15% in the quarter and is down 11.7% uh, over the past year. While it's, it's never comforting to see a loss like that, I think we can take a little bit of solace in the fact that the, uh, the North American equity marks were down a lot more over the past year. The S&P 500 is down 16.5% and uh, the TSX is down 14.4%. So not pretty stuff, but um, uh, it was one of those quarters. Touching on some of the names in the fund, energy and material stocks were particularly beaten up. Uh, these have been some of the previous high flyers. Names such as uh, Potash Corp and Compass Minerals were, were both down uh, north of 30%, Compass even uh, closer to 40%. And with the retreat in oil, crude actually fell more than 25% in the quarter. Canadian oil sands, Suncor... Birchcliff and uh, and some of the other funds, uh, energy holdings, um, took a beating as well. The broad-based selling uh, also brought down a number of businesses that, that still have very strong fundamentals, and these include companies such as Rogers Communications, TMX Group, and Ritchie Brothers. CGOV added to a number of existing positions on price weakness, but they didn't remove any stocks or add any new names to the portfolio. And this is because they have a lot of conviction in the 25 companies that they own, and they feel that these are businesses that will come out the other side of this mess much stronger. Uh, indeed, the average price-to-earnings multiple of the portfolio is roughly 12 times earnings right now, and they haven't seen this much value in a while, which is a great sign. On to the global fund. It was, uh, it was down as well. It dropped 7.4% in the quarter. Now, again, losses of this magnitude are never easy to swallow, but uh, investors can at least take some comfort in the fact that the fund's defensive tilt has actually helped cushion the fall and is starting to pay some dividends. Uh, when you compare that 7.5% 7, 7 drop to the MSCI World's drop of over 11%, uh, it doesn't look so bad. The fund continues to have heavy exposure to healthcare and telecom stocks, which have actually weathered the recent storm fairly well. Many of these stocks, in fact, posted gains in the quarter, which uh, you can read a little further about in the report. Now, we've reported extensively on this fund's exposure to the financial sector, 
and this is the area that continues to keep the manager up at night. Edinburgh Partners' strategy here is to spread their bets across the risk spectrum, concentrating on banks with the greatest capital strength, and these would be uh, companies such as HSBC and Intesa. But they also hold some names that are in a slightly weaker position but have significant upside potential, and these would be uh, companies uh, including Royal Bank of Scotland and Irish Life. They did add two new names to the fund in the quarter, uh, Unilever and Deutsche Telekom, which again you can read uh, further about in the report, and three stocks were sold in the quarter. AIG and HBOS simply blew up on the manager and uh, were removed from the fund for that reason, while Edinburgh Partners also became frustrated with the management of Lagardère, which is a French media company, and they uh, sold the stock as a result. Scott, since we launched this fund in, in May of 07, you know, the global markets have been one big minefield, and it's certainly Edinburgh Partners is being operating in very hostile territory. But uh, that tide will turn, and uh, I think this fund has the potential over the next few years to be our best fund, uh, as some of the forces that have heard it turn around and go the other way. So we're pretty encouraged. We, we've been monitoring Edinburgh Partners closely. I think one of the things uh, you want to see is that uh, they haven't lost their nerve Certainly they're beaten up like every other equity manager in the world, but we see them continuing to nibble away and buy more of certain stocks and, uh, and be very much focused on the future, not delving in the past. So we'll see how it plays out. We don't know when that bottom will be, but we think uh, Edinburgh Partners is making all the right moves. On to the small cap fund now, and, and wow, what a difference a month can make here. The small cap fund lost over 18% in the quarter, and is now down uh, close to 17% over the past 12 months. Now, just a month ago, it was down 4% for the three months ending August 30th and was up over 5% on the year. Now, this is just a testament of, of just how lumpy its returns can be, as we remind investors every quarter, and it's why small-cap investors need a strong stomach and a long-term time horizon. In a market like this, where selling is indiscriminate and panic is rampant, small-cap stocks are often hit the hardest due, the, due to their illiquidity, and indeed, we saw this during the quarter. The Nesbitt Burns small cap index was actually down uh, close to 25%. And losses were widespread, and Will did take his lumps, but he's, uh, he's certainly no worse for wear, and he's been through this before. Will's actually quite excited for the first time in a while about the value seen across the portfolio. In our quarterly call with him uh, just the other day, indeed, he, uh, he seemed quite opportunistic and, uh, and has seen a lot of value out there. Like our other managers, he, he did add to a number of existing holdings, and he also added a few new companies, Canadian Helicopters Income Fund and Genom Corporation. Just on a closing note, this fund has been our most volatile offering of late, but there's, there's no fundamental changes to the businesses, businesses it owns, and it's well positioned for a rebound in our view. As you've just heard, it's been a very tough quarter in the capital markets and, it's, and with the steady hand funds, there's no doubt about that. We've talked to many of our clients over the last few weeks, and uh, even though we've done that, we know that there'll be some statement shock when uh, you open your statement next week. That'll probably be out in about the middle of next week. And we just encourage people to, uh, first of all, call us if they want to chat about it and uh, delve into not only the funds and the performance or, or what they're doing, but also what they're doing with their own portfolio. By all means, we can do that and be happy to talk to you. We would encourage people to stick to their long-term asset mix. Certainly there's a temptation to bail out of equities at this point, but I think the biggest risk any of us take right now would be 
to miss the other side of this uh, market because we will get a rally. Uh, it may be a multi-year rally because of the violence of the downturn here. And I think we want not only our funds and our fund managers, but also our clients to be positioned for that. Uh, we would encourage people if they have the stomach for it, and we know not everybody does, but uh, we would strongly encourage you to either rebalance your portfolio a little bit more towards equities or add to equities with new money if you're, uh, if you're making a contribution to the portfolio. It isn't a nice way to get there, but I think we're at a point now where the potential for returns out of the equity markets over the next two or three years is double digit. And I think that's something uh, we have to keep in mind. Uh, I've been through this too many times in my 25 years. I lived through Black Monday, the Asian crisis, long-term capital crisis, and uh, the bursting of the tech bubble. And the one thing I learned out of that is that uh, value, if you can assess it in a disciplined manner, does eventually get recognized. You don't know when it comes back, but it will eventually get recognized and play out. So in the meantime, we're going to be disciplined here at Steady Hand. And uh, from all accounts and our observations, our managers are doing the same. So we'd encourage all of you to do the same with your own portfolio. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and we'll be back with you uh, at the end of next quarter for another quarterly review, hopefully a much better news story that time.